Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. To the topic of abortion, I really want us as Republicans to not get fed into this. We have to fight for um, pro-life agendas and pro-life messaging on the state level. Our message was we wanted to go from the federal to the states. That's what we said. We said that that was fine for us. That's what we were going to stand on. Now that it's there, we have to let the people decide. It doesn't mean that you can't have your core values. I am very very pro-life, very pro-life. But at the same time, I understand that when it comes to messaging this, now it's time for me to focus more so on supporting that mother. So I don't understand why we keep doing this whole, I'm trying to control the outcome, so to speak, on the on during election days, instead of focusing in on how we can prevent the decision as a whole. What you just heard was my media hit that I did on Scripps News where I was talking about Republicans and the Republican message in abortion and what I think it should be. We'll go deeper into why I said what I said, because, you know, that was a 49-second clip. But I do think it's important that you know that that particular segment, when I put it on Instagram, it got a lot of love. A lot of people agreed that Republicans are going about this whole abortion thing just way too much and way too hard. So today, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about whether we're putting our core values, our spiritual beliefs ahead of government. Or should we do that? Is that the right thing to do? A lot of Republicans are definitely doing that. Um, That's like the thing now. And I'm going to share my perspective on it. Areas where I think it could be a problem. I think we are treading on thin ice when we do that. But let's let's talk about it. After I dropped that video, I dropped it on social media. I got some interesting messages on my in my comment section. And one of the comments was a close, close friend of mine who I don't talk to enough, don't see enough. So I probably shouldn't say close, close. But (laughs) but I but but I really respect her. And she's in Virginia and she was very involved in Virginia politics on the Republican side. So she asked me, she was like, you know, after I I made that video, she was like, I'm curious to think what you think about what happened here in Virginia. And I said, this was my comment. I said, I feel Virginia was a perfect example of what I'm saying. I heard more about passing a 15 week abortion ban, which isn't a bad idea, but I heard more about that than I heard about anything else. And I'm in Georgia. The policy can be your personal preference. I said what I said was that policy can be your personal preference without making it a campaign talking point. Being pro-life, in my opinion, isn't forcing others to see it your way. It's showing them that it's the better option, allowing them to pick your candidate out of personal conviction and not fear. And if your state loses at the ballot, then I'm calling on pro-life activists to fight for building strong relationships. And then I kind of continued on by saying, in building these strong relationships with moms and dads, assisting with eliminating the barriers that lead to abortion. That's what I think. So what are we doing right now? 
are we trying to force an outcome? Are we trying to prove a point? Because if you're using your spiritual leanings, your your relationship with God, your core values that are rooted in your spiritual belief, if you're using that to control outcomes, you're operating in pride. And that's a sin and that's wrong. So you have to start asking yourself, what is going on? So why am I talking about this? Well, because I am concerned that we are allowing pride and we are allowing our personal convictions to get in the way of doing what we are really called to do and what we're really supposed to be doing. And I do get concerned about this over and over and over again because if we are not pulling ourselves back and asking ourselves one major question, am I being the person that I'm trying to force everyone else to be? Can we ask ourselves that? Am I being that person? Because we want everyone else to be kind and loving and respectful of traditional values and of Judeo-Christian values. And like we want everyone to be like that. But are you, again, are we beating people over the heads with our policies or are we sharing our positions? There's a complete difference. So today... I'm going to deep dive into a few things. I'm going to talk about this Candace Owen and Ben Shapiro fight that is brewing. (laughs) Um, I'm going to talk about this concept of cleansing rather than electioneering. I'm going to talk about the whole struggle between your core values and policy because that's something that um, Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, talks about or talked about. Um, I'm going to give my own personal perspective on it. Of course, because that's just what I do. (laughs) And I also want to leave you with what I think, just my opinion, our message should be going into 2024 on abortion, economy, and these wars. Because these are the three topics that are really, really driving conversations. But before I go into all of that, I kind of want to warm you up to something. I want to warm you up to, to this. When I, I'm going to be very vulnerable, which is not something I do often. I'm just kidding. I do do that often. But anyway, I'm going to be vulnerable right now. I came up with this topic because... When I gave my response about abortion, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, not a religious person, because religion, anyway, we we know what religion will do. So, (laughs) but to be Christian is supposed to be to be a follower of Christ, which means following his teachings. And I have been reading, my husband and I did, we do the, the Bible in a year, and so we just got into the book of Acts and we started in Genesis in, the, in January. So it's kind of exciting to start getting to the tail end of the Bible. And, um, well, the, the, still in the beginning of the New Testament. But anyway, but it's kind of exciting because what it does is it allows me to see things in order. 
And when you when you read the entire chapter and then go on to read the next entire chapter, what happens is the Bible becomes normal to me. It doesn't feel like it is so outside of, of us or, you know, as if, I don't know, it just doesn't feel so distant to me anymore. And I noticed, too, that we have made people in the Bible deities when, in fact, the only perfect person was Jesus. And if you read every single story throughout the Bible, and this is just my personal feelings, but if you read every story throughout the Bible, you realize how flawed every human being was. They were so flawed. Matter of fact, it almost feels like that's what Jesus prefers. <laughs> and then it, it creates a, a grace and a gratitude with inside of you to where you no longer just want to do the right things because they say this is what you're supposed to do. But you now understand that there's a why behind some of the things and some of the teachings. And, and then when you understand the why, you're no longer feeling like I have to force everybody to be on my team in order to have the confidence to walk and stand in authenticity and stand in truth based on what you've read or what you understand or how it's transformed your life. And I think that's where we're missing it. It's like, instead of us sharing the gospel, we are, we are trying to rule over people with it, which is exactly why Jesus came. <laughs> Was that not the point? <laughs> because the Mosaic law went from 10 commandments to 2000 because human beings got involved and now we're in a situation <laughs> where we're ruling over people with the law rather than showing people that I'm, I'm, I'm telling you it's better not to fornicate because God forbid you get pregnant, you get STD, it can lead to this, it can lead to that. There's a whole lot of problems that can come with it. So instead of saying, oh my God, if you're fornicating, you're a sinner, you're going to go to hell. Instead, you're saying, look, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> it's just that simple. So I get really concerned about this because let me tell you, although I was raised very spiritual, I had a falling away. And I, I, I remember the times when I was reading my astrology, my, my astrology like every day and, you know, and then I was like wearing my stones and, you know, and, and, and I mean, I was totally into all that stuff. Not as deep as some people, but enough. But enough, because I was trying to figure it out. I don't want us to turn the our values into per, into these these invisible laws that we now place on top of people. When in fact, we're not perfect ourselves. Yeah, you're breaking the cardinal law, which is to love thy neighbor as yourself. However, but you got to make sure that that person doesn't have that abortion, though. Come on, people. We're going to get into this. We're going to get into this because we got to talk about it. It's time. <laughs> as believers, as followers of Christ, we are weakening the gospel because we are caught up in the law. And Jesus fulfilled the law. So, all right, going to a break. When we return, we're going to go into this more deeper. 
I'm Janelle King. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. And this is Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a minimum balance required. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King. This is Extra 106.3. And before the break, I kind of went on a little bit of my rant as to why I'm questioning, are we putting our spiritual values, spiritual perspectives over politics, over government, or vice versa? Is that the right thing to do? Like, should we do that, right? I want to start this segment with this whole little spat that's happening between Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro was doing a speech and one of the one of the people he was talking to said, um, what do you think about Candace Owens' stance on this war between, you know, the, the Hamas and Israel? Now, as a flashback, um, Candace believes that, you know, she basically she says something along the lines of any government that that, you know, creates genocide or causes genocide is wrong. It was a direct attack against Israel and the way Israel is bombing the heck out of Palestine, out of Gaza City, because obviously they feel like they have to fight back, right? They were attacked. But anyway, regardless of where you feel on that, that was her perspective. And then she then she kind of took up for the college students, basically saying that they're stupid, they shouldn't be canceled, because there was a gentleman who was over the Citadel, which is the not the college, but the investment firm. Um, and there was a couple of other people who had some firms who said, I need to know those kids that signed that document saying that they were supporting Hamas because I don't want to hire them. And Miss Candace Owens, who is Miss Cancel Culture, um, was upset about that because she was like, we can't cancel. <laughs> we can't cancel them. Because they're just college students and they're stupid and they don't know what they're doing and yada, yada, yada. Well, she was really doing that because Vivek is the candidate that she is supporting. And Vivek is the, as, as of right now, Vivek is the leader of the, of the, of the whole um, younger voter. Like right now he's pulling the younger voters. So all of that happened. And since that happened, that's created, you know, some rifts, Right. And Ben Shapiro, being Jewish, 
was speaking to some some students, and they asked him, well, "What do you think about Candace Owens?" And I'm going to paraphrase because he said he said a lot, but he said her behavior was disgraceful. He's called. He said it was faux sophistication, which I thought was kind of interesting. She said he said the faux sophistication is ridiculous, and that everyone can see the moves that she's making. And I think that was him trying to say, we all see that she's doing this because she's trying to get Vivek in and she doesn't want Vivek to lose his younger voter support because a lot of younger voters right now, I think it's 35 and under, make up majority of the people who are supporting Hamas. Whew. So I was like, hmm, this is really interesting, but not more interesting than her response. Let's talk about her response. That ties us back into this topic. She responds by saying, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed, and she tweeted this, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. I mean, sorry, you cannot serve both God and money. And then she followed up with another tweet that says, Christ is king. Okay. If you understand, okay, we're not even going to get into the Jesus and the Jews, right? Because that's a whole different conversation, totally different conversation. But the crisis king was a dig. And if you understand that, you'll know. But let's just move, let's, let's just not even go that route. Let's start with her placing a scripture as her response without telling us where the scripture is located. So you don't really care if people read the Bible, but it's like this scripture seems to be great. What it did for me was it brought me back to this topic of whether or not we are weaponizing our spirituality in order to control people. Because I feel like that's what's happening here. It was a passive aggressive tweet, regardless of where you stand on Israel or Palestinian or whatever, wherever you stand on that whole topic. Right. The, 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 the fact that she used a scripture in order to justify her behavior to me, I'm thinking, first of all, you're doing the opposite. Like, you're not being a peacemaker if you're using a scripture passive-aggressively, particularly to talking to a Jewish person who's probably reading the Torah. Now, I'm not saying that scripture's not in the Torah, but you're not being a peacemaker. You're, you're weaponizing the scripture. And the fact that you forgot to tell people where they can find it I'm like, if I ever post a scripture, I'm going to post where you can find it because I want people to go to the, there and read the entire chapter, read a couple of verses ahead, see what they're talking about. Who are they talking to? Why were they saying these things? So pulling scriptures out to use them as a means of, you know, trying to control the behaviors and the emotions of other believers to me is pride. You're in pride. So that's what I'm seeing happening right now. And I feel like we're repelling people from the gospel versus sharing the gospel. Because our younger generation, 
our younger generation is going to go through some of the same ebb and flows that you went through. I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. I feel like now that I'm coming into my 40s that I am a lot more understanding of things, but I know I still have a lot to grow and a lot to learn. But we got to give people grace to do that because thank God you had it. So that leads me to my next point. Former chairman John Watson of the Georgia GOP said to the Washington Post, there has been an emphasis on ideological cleansing instead of electioneering. And I keep thinking about that because there is a struggle. There is a struggle between your core values and your policies. And I stated earlier that I'm being vulnerable about this because when it comes to the abortion topic, I'm very pro-life. My husband's mother was 15 years old when he was born, and he was born one year after Roe v. Wade was passed. My stepson, my bonus son, was born when my husband was 19, and his mother was 19. And thank God they chose life. I have a very personal connection to that. Um, I'm on my own fertility journey. So I have a connection towards this. I, I, I have a deeper understanding of what it means to be pro-life for me, for me. So I don't want to see babies aborted. I don't. And if you are a Christian and you read the Bible, you will realize that this, this, this happened in the Old Testament when they were offering up their children to the God Molech. So we're kind of, it, it looks crazy. It does. And I'm not in supportive of, I'm not supportive of it. But at the same time, I'm not losing sight of the fact that there are people around me who have already done it. I'm not losing sight of the fact that there are people behind me that are walking with me in this Christian faith who are followers of Christ who have also had an abortion. I'm not losing sight of the fact that there are challenges and there are people that are really struggling. My brother in North Carolina, he works with an organization that works with at-risk youth. And I was talking to him the other night, and he said, one of my clients are, is 16 years old, and he lives in a hotel. They've been in there for a year with his other eight siblings, and that his idea of peace and quiet is putting his headphones on and sitting in the tub so that he can just have a moment to himself. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that there are kids who are born in terrible conditions that are suffering through. But if you only want to talk about the first, that, that, that decision and not talk about the aftermath, you're missing the point. Matter of fact, you're not being Christ-like at all. So if you want to make your core values policy, you have to question if you're now becoming the law. As I stated earlier, Jesus came to fulfill the law because too many people, human beings, it's in our nature, felt like instead of us sweeping around our own front door and focusing on ourselves and making sure that we are walking the walk that we are trying to project on everybody else, we're now making the focus, forcing other people to be the type of Christian that we think they should be. We think we are cleansing. It's almost like we think that we're now the new reborn Jesus. Like we're here to cleanse the earth. And when I hear people say things like, I am Jesus' feet feet and hands, I'm just like, where do you see that in the Bible? He never asked us to be his feet and his hands. 
He said to be a vessel. So he can use whatever of you. So he can use your hands, use your feet. I'm not Jesus's feet and hands. Okay. I am a vessel that is here to be used by God. Okay. Let's get back to some politics. Well, before we get to politics, let's talk about this idea of fairness. Because I think what's happening is we're getting caught up in the fact that we think that what is right is also what is fair. And sometimes there are decisions that are made that may feel right. However, I don't know. It may not be the right decision overall. Prime example. In the Bible, you hear about Solomon. If you've heard of, if you've, you know anything about Solomon, the richest man that ever lived, all the other stuff. But there was a time where he was king and two women, matter of fact, I'm going to read it to you so you can really understand the situation here. So in 1 Kings 3, 16, verse 28, they recount that there are two mothers that were living in the same house. And one of them, they, and they both had infant sons. And they came to Solomon because one of the babies had been smothered. And if you read the whole Bible, if you read the whole scripture, um, what happened was there was one mother whose son died overnight. Um, and then she, and then what happened, well, I think she took the other baby and said that that was her child and then put the, the, the dead baby in the, the basket with the other mother. So basically her baby died. The baby was smothered and died. And then she took the other person's baby and replaced them and said, no, your baby died. Mine is still alive. Okay. So one of the babies had been smothered, and each claimed that the remaining boy was their child. What did Solomon suggest? He said, give me a sword. And he suggested, I'm going to cut the baby in half, and I'm going to give each half to each of these women. And what really happened was the the mother of the actual child <laughs> Her emotions showed him who was the real mother because he didn't know. He's like, how do I determine this? But if you threaten to cut the baby in half, what happened was the the actual mother of the child, if I'm not mistaken, said, nope, she can have him. She can have him because the idea of seeing your child cut in half just was too much. Where the other one was kind of like, okay. (laughs) So he gave, ended up giving the baby to the woman who said, nope, she can have them. I'd rather the baby not be cut in half because it kind of revealed an authentic emotion. There are probably a lot of people who would have said, how could you, as a man of God, suggest cutting a child in half? What if they both said, fine, were you going to do it? What would have happened? I bring that up because sometimes when we're walking this walk in politics, there are suggestions and decisions and policy positions that are made that you may be so afraid that's going to lead to a certain outcome, but it's the right thing to do at that time because leadership matters, stability matters, and wholeness matters. I was listening to a podcast and I heard that we're possibly in a situation where the, you know, we're, we're at this moment of this recording, we're trying to decide if the government's going to shut down or not. And I heard that there was some stuff in the bill about birth control and the workplace. And, and I'm just like, wait, what are we doing? What's really going on right now? It's giving, I'm weaponizing the Bible and not in a good way. <laughs> 
But there's also scripture that says that your traditions, your religion, like all that, all your rituals, it makes the word of God no effect. So the concern here is that in pushing policy that is so heavy on the spiritual side, you're losing sight of where people are in their spiritual walk. Not everyone sees it that way. And because you force someone to do something, it doesn't mean that's also going to force them into the transformation of their mind. That has to come through Christ and it has to be a willing decision. Even the Lord gave us free will. We have free will. I believe that if you're out here pushing policy and you're using God's word to back it, I am. I want you to really think long and hard about whether you're in pride. Because pride is something that we all live with. We all have a little bit of it. Some people call it pride. Some people call it an ego. But it's the same. It's practically the same thing right now. So I need you to ask yourself, are you in pride? Are you allowing your ego to drive this? Are you... Are you loving God and God's people or are you trying to force people to see it your way? Are you confident? Are you even confident in your walk? Because <laughs> I, we, we hosted an event. Uh, my husband and I hosted an event called Bourbon and Blazers. And, you know, a dear friend of mine didn't want to come because they didn't want their brand to be associated with an individual that we had invited who was a part of the LGBTQ community. And he's like, that's just not my core beliefs or won't, won't allow me to participate. And I thought to myself, I'm so glad Jesus didn't do that <laughs> because there would be no disciples. <laughs> like, can you imagine if Jesus was like, my core beliefs would allow me to mingle with this tax collector. My core beliefs won't let me be in here with this prostitute or this man that has a bunch of, you know, uh, multiple personalities and mental health issues and the thief. And I mean, Judas, who, 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 who oh my goodness, let's talk about that. He allowed Judas to still hang around him knowing he was going to portray him. Can we really talk about this? And I believe it's because there was a righteous confidence that he had that although they may not see what I'm talking about right now, at some point through my love and my kindness and my understanding, not compromising my values, but just through being kind, at some point either they're going to get it or they're not. But at the end of the day, the decision is up to the individual. I don't know why we can't do that. <laughs> we need some more confidence. So if the goal is winning, it has to start with you being the example. Why isn't it okay to serve pregnancy centers rather than trying to control the outcome? Why can't, and I, and I almost feel like sometimes our pro-life activists don't know how to pivot. It's like we've been fighting for 50 years to try to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now that it's no longer there, we just don't know what to do. So it's like, I got now I'm going to shift the focus to trying to force it in every state. When in fact, you said you were okay with just overturning it on a federal level. So why are we not allowing the states to have states' rights? Because we also said that we believe in states' rights. 
So if we believe in states' rights, then we got to figure out how to do that. So I would love to see our pro-life activists put more of their in- interest and more of their focus on supporting mothers and dads through partnering with organizations. We did a virtual town hall recently with Our Children Have Rights, which helps parents with workout co-parenting plans, custody battles. I mean, they start with at conception. So can you imagine if some of these people who are feeling like they're like in these tight, you know, bind, if they had an organization behind them that would help them with co-parenting ahead of the child being born, that would be a help. But so can we put energy into that? Why can't we win people by just being nice? (laughs) Can we be nice? Can we police ourselves? Okay. There's so many people that are are out here pushing for Judeo-Christian policy. However, they're not even talking to family members. Like in your own life, you won't even talk to your own family member, but you're fighting for the rights of strangers? I'm so confused. There are people who are like, I'm not going to Thanksgiving dinner this weekend because or next week because uh, such and such is going to be there. But then you're supposed to be the, the, the Christ. You're supposed to be the one that's walking with Christ. Remember, you're his hands and feet. <laughs> but you won't walk into that Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> it's bizarre. Anyway, I believe that it is so much harder It's so much of a dying to your flesh. It's so much of a really having to live up to what you believe when you have to do it in front of a person that you disagree with. To me, that's so much harder than matching their meanness. They call you a name, I'm going to call them a name. They, you know, oh, these dumb progressives, they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, my God, the trans people are so crazy. The things that I hear coming out of the mouths of Christians is so baffling to me because I'm like, have you read your Bible lately? I mean, it's like, my producer's like, no. <laughs> and I don't want, I want to be careful. I don't want to come off self-righteous because I'm, I, my passion is because I am passionately checking myself in these areas every single day. When God gave me a platform, it was important to me that I did not use this platform to control people. I want to educate, share. Like I always say, I plant seeds. I don't knock down trees. It's too much, too much work. The party is struggling because we've turned the Bible into a weapon against flesh and blood. Who wants to join the religion of laws? Nobody. That's why the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and everybody else was struggling to get people in the synagogue because people were just tired of it. You can't eat on the Sabbath, can't walk on the Sabbath. I mean, it was just too much. The whole point of God, the whole point of who we're supposed to be on this earth is to influence policy through love because through love and kindness, you draw people. And then, and only then can transformation take place. That's how I found myself back at Christ time and time again. 
after trying all these different things that I thought would produce the outcome that I wanted it's faster than I thought Christianity was working. So almost like Christianity was the holistic medicine. I wanted like something really quick. But that's how, how kind of how I felt. Like it took too long. But then I realized that it's because I wasn't being transformed. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to finish this off. And I'm going to tell you what my message is for 2024 around some of these key topics. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. We'll be back. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and you're listening to Extra 106.3. If you missed the entire show up until this point, don't worry. Don't you worry, because you have an opportunity to get the, hear the playback on this coming Tuesday. You can go to my website, allthingsjking.com. That's allthingsjking.com. If you want to listen to the full show, and I think it's worth listening to, I want you to, I want you to share it. Send it to other people, particularly people who are professing Christianity. Please share what I'm saying because I'm not coming at you from a place of condemnation. I'm not coming at you from a place of trying to make you feel bad. I want you to be aware of your own biases. I want you to be aware of pride and how pride can creep into everything. I want you to be open to the idea that corrupted good is pretty much in everything. Everything bad that's happening right now, I promise you, it can be traced back to a good decision. Somebody thought this was a good idea. <laughs> like, I mean, corrupted good is what evil is. So be careful not to allow yourself to find yourself in a position where you are now operating in corrupted good. So what is the message? What is the message that Republicans should have? How do we balance out our core values and politics? How do we balance out our spiritual beliefs and the government and what we think the government should be doing or pushing or behind? I think we all want to see a sanctified government, but I don't think we will ever see that because we don't live in a sanctified world. We live in a world where there's good and there's evil, and it's unfortunate. But the, the kingdom of God is the government that is sanctified. 
And we as believers are supposed to operate under that. And then we're supposed to try to pull people towards the kingdom, not towards Washington. And you pull people towards the kingdom by being Christ-like instead of trying to bludgeon people into being Christ-like. Especially people that you don't know where their walk is. If you had come to me years ago where I was not as, as strong in the word as I am now, I promise you I would have looked at you with four, like four eyes. It would have been crazy. Because I don't want to hear that right now. And then I would have re- you, you would have re- created a situation where I would have repelled the gospel. And now you're working against, against the whole idea. So how do we win in 2024 while also maintaining our spiritual values, our core values, and still being, being positive and being one of those people who understand that I may not get everything that I want, but I'll at least get what I think, what I think is the right thing. And then I can be an example. Let's see. Okay. So what is the winning message for 2024 on abortion? The winning message for 2024 on abortion, where you're not compromising your spiritual beliefs, but you're, you're really in a position where you can still maintain that, but also position the government, position your country, position the state that you live in, in the best position possible to maintain a stabilized country. I believe we've got to be okay with states' rights. And you're right. The state may decide today that they want to be an abortion state, a pro-abortion state. And if that's the case, then I want every pro-life activist to take this as a, a special project to go into that state and start to work with these pregnancy centers, to start working with churches, or, or, or don't even have to go into the church. Go into neighborhoods. And if you see a young woman there who is pregnant, or if you see a young woman who is like is pro-choice, ask them why. Because I let me tell you something. There are very few women that want to kill their babies. Very few. It's not normal. Depression rates for women who have had an abortion is so high. It's so high. Suicide is so high in the trans community. And I'm so so there's there's a lot of work that can be done. No one's really happy in certain environments. So if you really want to be positive, show them positivity through showing them love and not trying to force outcomes. When it comes to the economy, the message I believe Republicans should have is produce an economic plan. Drop something that says on day one, this is what I'm going to do. By six months in, I am hoping to see these results. Give someone something tangible that they can hold on to, they can connect with, and they can say, I'm supporting you because I want to see you fulfill this plan. Not because you have great hair, not because I like your personality, not because you're Republican or you're Democrat, but because you have a plan and your plan is visible. One of the things that President Trump did that was so excellent was when he rolled out the platinum plan. He wrote out something that allowed people to say, okay, I can see how this could be done. Okay, I like this. One of the things that stood out to me on that plan was 
connecting, you know, your credit score to paying your phone bill. Because even in some of the most impoverished communities, there are phone bills and they they have cell phones. And so having a consistent phone bill paid, if that can help increase your credit score, then that can help you be able to obtain uh, resources to start a business and do a whole lot of other things. So, I mean, I thought that was a great idea. When it comes to wars, what is the message when it comes to wars? Diplomacy first, fighting violence second. We have to be clear that there's no such thing as being anti-war. That's stupid. Everybody's anti-war. <laughs> like No one wants to go to war. I mean, <laughs> if a bomb, nobody wants to be, nobody wants to get shot. In, in a battle nobody wants to go to war people you know what it's so funny you get to be anti-war because you live in a country where we're never attacked like that's i mean there's no people that are anti-war in other countries because they're constantly in a position where they're like man maybe and i get it i get it our, a lot of our millennials a lot of our gen z probably all of our gen z gen Zers, at least most of them you were either one or two years old when 9-11 hit so I get it. The idea, the idea of another country attacking us is so far to it's so so hard to fathom because we have created I mean it's like we live in this like just protected space in the world. But please understand that war can happen here too. And if it was to happen here, you better believe that just like those people in Ukraine who was going to work one day and the next day they were being trained on how to fight on the front lines that have never had to do that before in their life, you may find yourself in that position and you don't get to say I'm anti-war. So stop that. It's silly. That is just my little tidbit to to some of my younger people. (laughs) To people who understand that we can be attacked, saying I'm anti-war is just bizarre. So the message is, yes, let's operate with diplomacy. Let's not, this whole idea of American first, I'm telling you, it's a problem because you're not going to be able to have a stabilized country where you're not being attacked if you're only looking out for yourself. You have to have allies. You have to have relationships with other people. You've got to have friendships. You've got to have other people looking over your back. I mean, there are people who are trying to warn Israel, other countries that were trying to warn Israel about what was happening. You've got to have relationships. So the, the message on the war thing is that all innocent lives that are lost is sad. It is a casualty of war, and it's really sad, and it's hard. But at the same time, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, just have some civility. Be normal. (laughs) Talk about things with compassion. (laughs) Learn how to have some empathy. And I think if you can just kind of mix all of that together, throw that in the pot, boil it up, and then produce some policy, I think we'll win. There you have it. That's my points. That's my perspective. I hope you enjoyed the show. Now, holiday's over. Thanksgiving's over. Christmas coming ahead. You have another opportunity to do better. If you screwed up the family function, don't do it in, during Christmas. All right. Y'all have a great one. Hope you have a great weekend. Again, this is Janelle King, and this is Let's Talk About It with Janelle King on Extra 106.3. See you next week.
This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com. 